So today I want to talk about a Turkish word, ayıp, which comes from an Arabic root, ayb. It's a Turkish word, but it is a universal concept, and basically it means shame. Let's talk about shame. And maybe it's useful to make a distinction right away between feeling embarrassed and feeling ashamed. For instance, you can feel embarrassed, but at the same time happy or pleased inside. Let's say if someone has praised you nicely, um, you can feel a bit embarrassed, but pleased too, you know, simultaneously. Whereas you can't feel ashamed and pleased at the same time. So shame is quite a sharp feeling we're talking about here. And it shapes the lives of so many people, especially it shapes the lives of women and girls. And uh, in order to illustrate what I mean by this, I want to read just a little bit from my recent novel, The Island of Missing Trees, in which there's a moment when the auntie, the Turkish aunt, Aunt Maryam, uh, has a conversation with her niece. Uh, and the conversation focuses on this concept. And the auntie apologizes for the mess inside the room. And she says, sorry for the mess. I blame the menopause. All my life, I have tidied up after my sister, my husband, my parents. Even when I'd go to a restaurant, I would clean up the table so the waiter wouldn't think badly of us. Because it's ayyub. Are you familiar with that word? It means shame. It is the word of my life. Don't wear short skirts. Sit with your legs together. Don't laugh out loud. Girls don't do that. Girls don't do this. Why? Because it's ayyub. I was always tidy and organized, but lately something happened. I don't want to clean up anymore. I'm just not going to bother. Uh, and I can relate to this because, like many women in Turkey, I also grew up with this notion of ayyub. You know, you hear it all the time. And I know m many women across the world are familiar with this as well. So right away, I want to tell you that men and women experience the notion of uh, the concept of shame in a very different way in our patriarchal societies. And in order to understand why this is the case, we also need to talk about another concept, which is slut shaming. And basically slut shaming means to shame any woman or girl who transgresses, you know, who dares to go beyond the borders, beyond the limits of um, the proper definition of womanhood or, or the proper definition of girlhood. Like there's a social expectation as to how you should behave, how you should dress up, you know, the length of your skirt, whether you wear sleeveless or not, whether you dare to go out at night or not, all of that, if you transgress the borders, then you might be slut-shamed. And I should also say that this is a concept that affects not only the lives of women and girls, but also many men, because any young man, for instance, who doesn't conform to given descriptions of masculinity uh, can also be shamed in this way. They can be stigmatized, they can be ridiculed, they can be even ostracized. So it is also a burden on their shoulders as well. And I see a lot of slut shaming actually across the history of world literature. Um, from some of Shakespeare's plays to the classics, when you come, when you take a close look at classic novels from Anna Karenina to Madame Bovary, for instance, there's a lot of slut-shaming going on there. Uh, when we look at the characters, the, the heroines of, um, of Tolstoy or, or Flaubert, uh, these women, you know, these married women who were supposed to behave in a certain way and who dare to fall in love or who dare to transgress, 
are almost always given terrible ends, terrible deaths. So in a way, they're you know ashamed, or they, they're expected to be ashamed, uh, even by their authors. So we see them swallowing arsenic or or throwing themselves under under the train. All I'm trying to say is, you know, there's a lot of slut shaming in the way we tell stories to each other, and I think it's very important to understand that this ruins the lives of so many human beings. Uh, in cases of rape, in cases of sexual harassment, the way the media covers all these uh, horrible incidents is completely unbalanced. And we see the pictures of women, the pictures of victims, and we see sometimes the judiciary or the media or the society questioning the victims rather than the perpetrators of violence. So we put the notion of shame uh, all in, in the wrong places all, all the time. And I, this is why I think it's important to say, you know, there's no shame the way we can dress up in every way we want. Uh, we have every right to ask for equal representation in the public space, in every aspect of life. And it's important to understand how this slut shaming or constant shaming of othering or women uh, and many uh, people, many individuals from LGBTQ plus communities continues in our societies. I want to change the, um, the discourse here. And actually, rather than focusing on individuals, I want to focus on collective shame. I think it's very important to talk about national shame. You know, every nation state in our world has its moments of shame uh, across history. Uh, and in that regard, actually, nation states can be very similar. The difference is some nations are capable of talking about this and some nations are not. So when it comes to racism, when it comes to colonialism or genocides, there are so many dark chapters in human history that nations should be able to talk about in a calm way, in a nuanced way, and honoring the stories of the victims and honoring the stories of people who have survived throughout these incidents. I find this very important because I think memory matters. We cannot repair if we cannot remember. And what we cannot repair, we're bound to repeat again and again. So when we talk about shame, rather than using shame in this patriarchal way that discriminates against women and girls and LGBTQ plus communities, can we change this narrative? Can we shift um, this discourse and talk about collective shame in a calmer way? And remember, there's no shame in being who we are.